Today's scripture lesson comes from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. It's the version found in the message translation. Stay on good terms with each other, held together by love. Be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. Why, have, some have extended hospitality to angels without ever knowing it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Elizabeth, for reading that of a very brief passage. It was uh, so fast, some of you may have just missed it. <laughs> the early church received a letter, and it said, don't forget to practice Philadelphia. Brotherly love, sisterly love. And don't forget to practice philoxenia, the Greek word for the love of the stranger. Because some, in doing so, have entertained angels without knowing it. The simple act of being welcoming and hospitable has the power to open us to engage the Holy One. And that is our invitation into holy interaction with God through our welcoming of others. The early church would often use hospitality as the criteria for their own faithfulness. They would ask the question, how welcoming are we of strangers? How welcoming are we of people of no faith or of other faiths? And that was the, the benchmark as to whether they were being faithful to Christ or not, because Christ told the early church and us that Christ comes in the disguise looking like us and all other people. It's a good question for churches to ask ourselves, how welcoming are we? I must tell you that as I was preparing going over last-minute um, preparations for worship this morning in my office, Sally Strunk came into my office and she said, um, where are we receiving the flood buckets? Because apparently someone walked in the open doors. It's so wonderful to have our doors open while the weather is nice. Um, and she had a flood bucket with her and she was looking around the church apparently had never been into this sanctuary before. As I understand it, Sally was up here with the choir rehearsing, saw this woman walk in, and clearly didn't know where to go. So Sally, sorry, she did the right thing by leaving the rehearsal. <laughs> and she went and greeted this person and said, thank you for bringing in this flood bucket, which we gave out yesterday at the farmer's market, and, and within 24 hours she was back, and Sally walked with her down to put the flood bucket where the other flood buckets are. Ultimately, we're going to be storing them on the stage in Rada Hall, but for now they're down the hall. Sometimes we need to drop what we're doing to welcome someone, because someone's feeling out of place. Someone's feeling like a stranger in a strange land, and God may be calling each of us to, to welcome them. 
One of the humbling questions that churches are invited to ask ourselves is, other than us, who would miss us if we were not here? Who would miss the Chatham United Methodist Church if the Chatham United Methodist Church did not exist? And if it's, when churches ask these questions of themselves, if it's just the congregation, that's a sign that we're really not doing our job. We're not being faithful. Because Christ came to say God's love is for all people. God's compassion is to be expressed for all people, not just for those who come to church on Sunday. Let's be thinking about that. Who would miss us if we were gone? I'll give you a hint. Last year, we have to fill out end-of-the-year statistics and calculate how many groups use our church and how many individuals. I think the number was about 11,000 people in 2018 came in and out of this church building for various reasons. I've been thinking about hospitality and, and welcome and hearing that as a call to us here in this church and in this denomination for such a time as this. And so because I've been thinking about that and I feel like God has put that on my heart and perhaps on other people's hearts for the last few months, I heard a story in Liverpool, England that got my attention. Now, I've got to tell you that when I was in high school, I was a big John Lennon fan. And I was listening to every Beatles album and John Lennon Plastic Ono album that I could get my hands on. And I do mean album. They were records back then. And so this summer, uh, among other pilgrimages that our family made to Tizé and to the Corrymeela community in Northern Ireland, we did work in a pilgrimage to Liverpool. I want to show you just a few pictures. So this is Matthew, Julie, Elizabeth, myself in front of John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Larger than life statues and Liverpudlians still love the lads. They are so proud of these, these lads who grew up in Liverpool and working class Liverpool and changed the world. Let's go to the next picture. This is a picture of us at the Cavern Club which is where the Beatles got their start. Uh, let's go to the next one. This is uh, at one of the Penny Lane signs. Did any of you see James Corden and Paul McCartney? 23 minutes of riveting TV. I commend it to you if you're at all Beatles fans. James Corden took Paul McCartney back to Liverpool, or maybe it was the other way around, and they went to various places of Paul's childhood, and Paul McCartney signed that particular Penny Lane sign, autographed it, and um, they had to put a plastic uh, frame around it so that people wouldn't deface it. Um, let's go to the next one. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs of every head he's had the pleasure to know. All the people, they come and go, stop and say hello. You know it. <laughs> this is the barber shop. 
And, and in the barbershop, there are indeed pictures, including the Beatles having their hair cut there. And so we went up and down Penny Lane, and all these lyrics came to life. Let's go to the next one. This is where Paul McCartney grew up and used to sneak out of that upper bedroom window down onto a landing to get in and out of the house. This is where crowds in the early 60s, crowds of girls would just stand in the front yard and Mr. McCartney, Paul's dad, would say, oh, Paul, they're all here to see you. Would you just go out and say hello to them? And he'd say, Dad, I'm trying to get away from them. Let's go to the next one. This is in Strawberry Fields where John Lennon spent a good bit of his childhood. It was really formative for him. And both Penny Lane and Strawberry Field are songs of recollection for these guys, recalling their childhood. Sometimes it's good to recall our childhood and to share some sacred memories of what shaped us. This is John Lennon's home, which is now owned by the National Trust as a historic site. This is St. Peter's Anglican Church in Liverpool. And one of those graves, one of the gravestones has the name Eleanor Rigby on it. Did you know that Eleanor Rigby died long before the Beatles were the Beatles? And John Lennon, this is no surprise to, to those of you who know John Lennon, he was kicked out of the boys' choir. And, and so he would hang out in the cemetery, smoking, waiting for his friends to come out of rehearsal so that they could carry on together. And he would smoke at Eleanor Rigby's grave. Now, you know the lyric, Eleanor Rigby lost her name or nobody remembers her name. It's because she got married. It was Eleanor Rigby something other I've got the picture. And next to her grave is a Mackenzie. Father Mackenzie was not the priest. It was just the guy next to Eleanor Rigby in the grave. Oh, I'm so glad, Elizabeth, you're here. You're a big Beatles fan. Is this, is this news to you like it was news to me? So let's keep going. Oh, here's Eleanor Rigby's grave. Um, now, this is where that, the message of hospitality uh, moved me. And I made a video in the cemetery that I want to show to you. Now, let's see if we can run that. Hey, so we're here at Liver in Liverpool, England, home of the Beatles. This is at St. Peter's Anglican Church. Eleanor Rigby's buried just over there a few graves away where John Lennon used to hang out after he was kicked out of the boys' choir for misbehaving. And he would wait for his friends to get dismissed from the boys' choir so that he could uh, hang out with them after a rehearsal. This is also the place where John Lennon met Paul McCartney when they were 16 and 15 years old at a church social. The church opened the community to young bands, young musicians, to come and play together. They were probably terrible musicians. But this is the place where they met. This moves me because whenever a church opens its doors to the community and lets young people especially find their voice, learn their craft, practice their music, become friends with one another, God does something that is beyond any of our imaginations and creates not only community, but in this case, God 
said to this church, open your doors to the community. And when they opened their doors to their community, John Lennon and Paul McCartney showed up and started playing together. And their music changed the world. Was God mentioned in all that? Most often not. But it was because of the hospitality of a church that brought together one of the great duos in music history. May we all continue to open our doors to trust that somehow God does good things when people are welcomed. So when we open our doors, something may happen. When we open the doors of our church, we don't know if the next Lennon and McCartney are going to be walking in, but even if they're not, something holy can happen. Friendships can happen. Community can happen. Glimpses of the divine can happen. Music can be made together in this space just by opening our doors. Next week, I'm going to be giving out a small gift to everybody who comes to worship that may help us as individuals claim some welcoming space in our work lives, in our classrooms, in our homes, certainly in our church as well, but God is calling us to open the doors of our hearts to whoever it is that God sends. Hmm. Amen.